0: This is Radio Energy News.
1: Hello, and welcome to EN4 News with Alistair Russell and Hannah Madden. Coming up on today's programmes, the travel industry welcomes the recent relaxation of travel restrictions. It's
2: obviously a major step forward for um, travel and for people wanting to travel and for the travel sector, with 47 uh, countries coming off the
3: red list.
4: We look ahead into Scotland's crucial match against Israel and Hampton.
3: This game on Saturday at Hamden is absolutely massive for Steve Clark and the Scotland side.
4: Taxi
1: shortages are leaving customers stranded on the streets for hours.
5: It's it's such a vital service, I think, and especially right now because it's just it does feel like it's come at the worst time to sort of, you know, be alone at night and feel that you just are stuck.
4: Edinburgh's Spooktacular event begins tonight
0: oh super excited we've been um, watching for like the past couple of weeks seeing them put up all the the decorations and doing up the the lighting and stuff and uh it's just amazing to see it all kind of uh, finally come together now and see
1: But first, the UK government has announced that 47 countries are to be cut from the red travel list. Stephen Brown reports.
6: The UK government have announced 47 countries have been cut from a red list for fully vaccinated travellers. The red list has been reduced to seven-day destinations, including Colombia, Dominican Republic, Ecuador, Haiti, Panama, Peru and Venezuela. In addition to this, the UK will be welcoming fully jagged arrivals from 37 destinations, including India. All these new changes will take effect from 4 a.m. on Monday morning. The government of confirmed passengers will be able to send a picture of a lateral flow test as a minimum requirement to travel. During an interview transport secretary grant shapps said
2: it's obviously a major step forward for um travel and for people wanting to travel and for the travel sector with 47 uh, countries coming off the red list meaning people can now um, travel amongst other changes uh, we know with coronavirus um, that um, things can change but i do also think that at this stage with so many people fully vaccinated both here at home, but also now abroad, um, that things have settled down a lot. And uh, that's why this is a major step forward today. We are a well-vaccinated country. Why has it taken you so long to unlock international travel and help the struggling travel industry? In a sense, we've been waiting for the the rest of the world to catch up a bit with our extraordinary high levels of vaccinations in the UK, and as other countries have, we're now both able to remove 47 countries from the red list to take that down to just seven countries uh, and also accept vastly more uh, double vaccinations, full vaccinations from elsewhere as they've got their numbers uh, right up as well.
6: Many popular destinations will benefit from this decision by the UK government, including Brazil, Ghana, Hong Kong, India, Pakistan, South Africa and Turkey. In an interview with Sky News, Grant Schatz went on to speak about travelling back and forth to America. He does not have a specific date yet, but said the American ambassador is looking at November. This was discussed by Prime Minister Boris Johnson and President of the United States on his visit to New York only a few weeks ago. Travel agents across the country have different views on the changes to the guideline. We spoke to the travel company and Bryant Travel to find out more.
7: Yeah, I mean, going forward, it's going to be a lot better. It's going to be good. People can travel to and from the different locations. They're not going to have to isolate or or take as many tests when they
8: return uh, than as before. It's significant for people coming to the UK for people going to these countries, a lot of these countries don't want British people. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of countries have said they, do, they just won't have British tourists just now. Um, it's a bit like when America said, or um, when we allowed Americans to come in back in August, but we couldn't go to America. So, yeah, if we want to have people coming in, um, that's fine just now, but we need it to be going the other way as well. From a travel agent's point of view, from a UK Based travel agents' point of view, we need to be able to send people to these countries, and that's not happening just now. We don't do any endbound at all, it's all people we send people overseas rather than bring people into the UK. So, this opening up just now, as I say, it, it would need to be the other way for us.
6: With restrictions being lifted on international travel, there has been reassurances by the Health and Social Care Secretary, Savit Javid, and he said our robust border measures have helped protect the phenomenal progress of our vaccination programme. And it is because of the success both here and around the world that we can safely open up travel further and we can visit friends and family abroad. We are now making it easier and cheaper for people to travel allowing fully vaccinated travellers from non-Red List countries to use lateral flow tests on day two of arrival as long as they provide proof of use. These changes to the travel guidelines have been agreed by all devolved administrations in the United Kingdom and will take effect on Monday, the 11th of October at 4am.
1: That was Stephen Brown with that report about the Red List countries. Stephen joins us in the studio now. Stephen, what impact does this have on travellers coming back and forth to the UK? Well, it is significant
6: that the UK, the UK government have made changes to the red list with 47 countries being cut from the red list. Travellers who are double vaccinated is something to concentrate on. Big popular holiday destinations like India, Turkey, South Africa and Hong Kong. But just like the UK government, other countries can also chop and change their guidelines over travel. They're These new rule changes are mainly for inbound flights to here, not going to other countries. So the advice that we've heard in the news recently is to check the guidelines, not only the UK, but also the country you are going to.
1: And you mentioned also in your report that PCR tests are being dropped in favour of lateral flow tests as well. PCR tests are known to be notoriously expensive, so what what changes to these guidelines, what Will they make it easier and cheaper for travellers?
6: Well, uh, like has been said, you can now send us a picture of your lateral flow test for confirmation. It will become cheaper to travel as lateral flow tests are a lot, uh, PCR, a lot more expensive. But it does come down to the companies who run the testing and trace system.
1: Stephen, thank you very much for joining us today.
4: Recommendations to lower the public's meat consumption as part of the government's national food strategy have been met with controversy. Ralph Boyd has the details.
9: A new study has found that Brits are eating roughly 17% less meat than they were a decade ago. Having decided that meat consumption was a major contributor to global warming, as well as being responsible for certain cancers and diabetes, the government commissioned the national food strategy in July of this year. The strategy recommended that the public should lower the amount of meat in their diet by up to 30%. This would mean that the average meat consumption per day would go from about 103 grams per person to 72 grams. The recommendation has been met with mixed reactions, with some feeling that the expectations are too high, whilst others feel that meat consumption can be cut off even further, if not entirely. The effect that such cuts will have on the economy, from farmers to butchers to restaurants, has been highlighted as a reason that the government's target might be unrealistic.
0: As a Scottish beef farmer, I'm not really alarmed by the statement that daily consumption of meat in the UK has fallen. Meat consumption in the UK had risen over the lockdown period, and after the exit of Britain from the European Union, the demand for homebred produce had skyrocketed due to there being no more imports from the continent, leaving many areas of hospitality struggling to find produce. The reduction of 17 grams of meat a day isn't a lot, but per person it could be impactful. However, many meat alternatives include imported ingredients from around the globe, which has a greater environmental impact compared to grass-fed British red meat. I think, and therefore, homebred red meat will continue to be a staple within a balanced and sustainable diet for the British public for years to come.
9: The publication of the study has coincided with concerns regarding the planning of a large-scale pig cull, which is linked to a shortage of butchers as a result of Brexit. When asked about the issue, Prime Minister Boris Johnson said this, for better or worse, it seems the future could feature far fewer fry-ups. A local restaurant manager had this to say, we have definitely noticed a change in people's ordering habits. People are now more drawn to vegetarian or vegan products due to the wide availability of them. There is a stigma attached to vegan and vegetarian products. These products give them a label and it puts people off by calling them plant-based foods. People are genuinely curious as there is a wide availability. I think curiosity is driving people to try brand new foods, and it is a big factor in people not wanting to eat meat more nowadays. A local butcher said this. So they say meat consumption's gone down about 70% in the last 10 years. Uh, How do you think that's a good thing, or do you know it's a bad thing? I think. Hi. In what way? You need meat in your body. Can you love a vegan? Sure. Uh, they say that they want meat consumption to go down to 30% in the next 10 years. Yeah. Do you think that's, do you think that's doable? Probably anything, they're doing anything, they now in the world, aren't they? And how would that affect your business? Would you be here? Wouldn't be here. No. A worker in a local vegan cafe said this. There's been a report that meat consumption in the UK has gone down 70% uh, in the last uh, 10 years, I think it is. Uh, how do you feel that is, is that a good thing or a bad thing in terms of...? Oh,
6: um, I think it's an amazing thing. I think that the fact that people are like waking up to the fact that not every male has to be like a meat and two veg one, I think it's better for the planet, it's better for people's imaginations, um... Yeah, I think just as Britain grows more diverse,
1: people are wanting like to try new things, which I think is awesome for some and so good.
9: And the government set a target for it to drop thirty percent in the next 10 years halfway there. Do you think that's attainable?
6: Oh, 100%. I think that with like meat substitutes coming in, people don't feel like it's up as it was. It's not like all like lentils and brown rice, which I think massively put people off. Um, and I think it's also it's becoming less of like an uncool thing. I think before if you were vegan it was just like you're a punchy hippie. Um, now it's something it's accessible, like there are more public figures who are do this, So yeah, I think it's awesome.
1: Something else to get your teeth into. Steve Clark Scotland are preparing for their crucial World Cup qualifier at Hamden against Israel tomorrow night. Jamie McIntosh has more.
3: It's now just one more sleep until Scotland take on Israel at the sold out Hampden Park in their World Cup Group F qualifier. After a disappointing display at Euro 2020, attention has now turned to qualifying for the 2022 Qatar World Cup. The Scots currently occupy second spot in the group behind runaway leaders Denmark and one point ahead of Israel in third spot. Scotland's victory in Vienna last month provided a massive springboard for them to grab second place in the group and secure a playoff shot at World Cup qualification. Scotland boss Steve Clark has failed to defeat Israel in 90 minutes in the previous four meetings and Gordon Sheech from the Tartan Scarf podcast admits it's a massive game for the Scotland boss. This game on Saturday at Hampden is absolutely massive for Steve Clark and the Scotland side. The win in Vienna took the destiny of the playoff place into our own hands and if Scotland were to win on Saturday It would leave us a win against the Faroes and Moldova away from securing our 1st playoff for a World Cup Finals since the World Cup in 1986 which shows you just how difficult it is to get into the playoffs for World Cups. The Israel match is the first of Scotland's two matches this month. They travel to the slightly less formidable opponents of the Faroe Islands on Tuesday before matches against Moldova and Denmark in November conclude the qualifiers. It's sadly a rare sight to see a sold-out Hampden for a Scotland game nowadays, however, Gordon is hoping the players can rise to the occasion. Add to the fact that this is the first sell-out crowd at Hampden since uh, well before the COVID-19 pandemic began. It's a five o'clock kick-off on Saturday under the lights. This could be an absolutely incredible night for the Scotland team and an absolutely huge opportunity to take a big step towards the World Cup. Scotland will be without Grant Hanley tomorrow. He misses out through suspension. Other than that, Steve Clark has a full selection of players to choose from. Murray Taylor, a long-suffering member of the Tardan Army, believes the Scotland backline remains strong despite Hanley's absence.
7: It is definitely a big miss. It's a player that has been, you know, sensational for us. He's been one of the better performers, and probably the centre half. would argue that he, well, Scotland needed anyway. But we have missing out. There's a couple of players coming in and having to step up to the plate. You've got Jack Hendry, who's been amazing for his club, Claire Cobb Cooper, who's captain of Leeds, and, you know, he's an able replacement, and you've got Tierney, we all know what he can provide. So definitely players have got to stand up now, the fact that one of the better centre-halves are not in, and uh, hopefully, you know, they can take the chance with the neck.
3: The match kicks off at 5pm tomorrow, and supporters are reminded that vaccine passports may be requested but not enforced when entering the national stadium.
1: And... i let's look at some of the other news going on around the country this afternoon. Here's Taylor Murray.
7: Health officials are calling for people to come forward to get the flu jab to increase the protection of everyone ahead of the winter months. This is going to be the first winter where Covid and the flu are circling at the same time with no real restrictions in place. With the increased chances of people catching both viruses, research shows that a person is twice as likely to die as someone with Covid alone. Speaking about the flu, Professor Wendy Barco said it is so important for people to get the flu vaccination early in the season. This is due to the lower immunity after prolonged social distancing and lockdowns have res- resulted in fewer infections than previous years. Gas prices are set to rise next spring on. This comes after one of the Britain's biggest energy suppliers said it is on the brink of collapse due to soaring prices. The cap on gas prices is usually revised twice a year, however off James John from Bailey says that higher demand now than previous years has caused this. NHS waiting times are a human tragedy, says a senior doctor. Waiting times have been at a record level since mid-August, with operations that are normally routine for doctors now being cancelled, thus forcing people to suffer for longer. In an interview with BBC, Dr Caroline Whiteworth of Edinburgh Royal Infirmary said that beds are now a 100% whilst also having to now prioritise people with serious illness over others. Maria Ressa and Dmitry Muratov jointly won the Nobel Peace Prize for their fight of freedom of press. The two Nobel Peace Prize winners won the award for fighting for journalists to have the freedom to report amid controversies around journalists in Russia and the Philippines. The Nobel Committee said that both journalists are our representatives of all journalists who stand up for this idea. Now, what could you do with £174 million? Buy a house? A car? Go on multiple holidays? Well, now you have the chance, as tonight's jetpot gives Brits the chance to be the biggest ever winner if one person wins the prize money. Now, the weather on Radio Energy. Hi, I'm Taylor Murray and this is today's weather. Today is looking rather wet as the autumn months roll in. Edinburgh has light showers up until late afternoon with the weather looking to pick up as we head into the evening. Temperatures look to be at the moderate stages with highs of 17 and lows of 15. Glasgow and Lancashire weather is looking zesty with no rain forecasted and the sun to break through the clouds late this afternoon. Highs of 17 are expected again with lows of 14 as the night sky falls over the city. In the Scottish borders, a miserable start to the day looks to continue as rain is forecasted until early evening. However, as the squally showers break away, a dry evening is predicted with highs of 16 and lows of 13. This is Radio Energy Travel. Now for your travel update in the Capital, I'm Taylor Murray and I am going to be getting you home. Sheriff Roundabout has experienced congestion all morning. The initial accident on the Muller Hill Junction at 9.30 this morning has now been cleared. However, due to the incident, traffic is still blocked westbound near Laswade due to the breakdown at 10.45 this morning. and Drivers have been urged to avoid the roundabout if possible. Eastbound is moving well from Hemningston Gate and the Queen's Ferry Crossing isn't experiencing any problems at the moment, which is good news. Into the city, I can see that there are queues both ways at the N'Dearmaine Road as well as Gorgidl at Robertson Avenue where I suggest there'll probably be about 10 to 15 minutes delay. ScotRail trains are running fine and there's no problems on there, so it's looking all good. And that's your roundup for today's travel. I've been Taylor Murray and I've been getting you home.
10: Thank you for that, Taylor. And now here's Stu and Gravy with the sport. For Rugby we will host the DHL Stormers on Saturday night at the D.A.M. Health Stadium. The Stormers may sound familiar to some fans and that is because they were beaten by a scoreline of 49-3 by the British and Irish Lions on July 17th this past summer as part of the Lions tour in South Africa. In football, Scotland's under-21 side were narrowly defeated last night by a scoreline of 1-0 against Denmark in their UEFA Euro qualification group. This result now means Scotland currently sit on one point after their opening two group matches, five points adrift of both Belgium and Denmark at the top. A Saudi-led consortium has purchased Newcastle United Football Club for a reported £300 million, ending Mike Ashley's 14-year ownership of the Magpies. Despite the largely controversial takeover, many Newcastle fans gathered outside St James's Park last night to celebrate. Scott, a Newcastle fan, has shared his thoughts on the takeover and what it means for the future of the club.
11: This takeover is such an exciting time for the club, uh, to see ambitious owners uh, that are willing to invest in all aspects of the club, not just on transfers, um, on the stadium, uh, on the training ground, on the youth academy. Um, it's just amazing to see, really. Um, and But, you know, obviously the takeover is controversial, um, away from football. Um, you've got to say that into consideration as well. Uh, but as a big fan of the club for, for many years now, um, it's just uh, an amazing and exciting time uh, to be a Newcastle United fan.
10: Finally, Bonnie Rig Rose broke a new record in their Wednesday game versus Vale of Leithen. The Midlothian club slotted 13 past the home side as they won convincingly. Bonnie Rig Rose manager, Robbie Horn has said that the attitude of the players from the first whistle to the final whistle was great. In golf, David Drysdale and Grant Forrest are currently in the top six for the Spanish Open. England's Ross McGowan is currently leading on day two of the tournament. Finally, in tennis, Emma Raducanu is back in action tomorrow morning at 2am where she will face Alexandra Sasnovich in the round of 64. This will be Raducanu's first competitive match since her historic US Open victory. Andy Murray is also back in action today for the Indian Wells Masters where he will meet Adrian Manarino in the round of 128 with the match scheduled to begin at quarter past three. Fans of Murray will be happy to know that he has found his wedding ring and is indeed back in the good books.
1: Need Andrew Murray back in everyone's good books, but especially his wife's there. Students across Scotland are, becoming, are facing a shortage of suitable accommodation and soaring rents. Josh Henry reports.
8: There was a growing fear among Scottish students as the accommodation crisis continues. With the surge in demand for housing following the pandemic, there has been calls for immediate action to be taken, as thousands of university students across the country have found themselves with nowhere to live. A shortage of accommodation has led to a challenging and competitive market and with available housing being so costly, many students have been forced to defer from their courses and in some instances drop out of university altogether. Student unions have also faced endless requests for help as their students have suffered with the severe lack of affordable accommodation in their areas. The coronavirus pandemic submerged students into a world of remote and online learning, stopping many from getting the long-awaited university experience and whilst some have been lucky enough to find accommodation on their return, it has proven extremely difficult to keep on top of bills whilst attending university full-time. Reuben Poole, a business student at Edinburgh Napier University, has successfully found accommodation after a long wait. However, he is now resitting his second year after struggling to balance working life with studying. But the cost of living has just been a huge um, liability for us a massive downside. Um,
2: Especially last year, when I was working a full-time job just to cut my rent and bills, while also in uni full-time as well.
8: There has been a significant increase in rent for new tenants, and in some cases, a request for six months' rent up front. So it has been argued that landlords are to blame for the housing crisis Scottish students are currently facing.
2: So my friend and I have been looking for a two-bedroom flat in Glasgow for about two and a half months now. We've been to loads of viewings, filled out all the application forms, set off all our documentation, etc. But we've just had absolutely no luck anywhere. We've not been particularly fussy either, we're literally looking at just about anywhere in the city we can find. But time and time again we're being met with rejections or we can't even get ourselves booked in for viewings before all the slots are gone. It could definitely be down to the COP26 conference, which starts in the city on the 31st. All I know is we're definitely not the only ones who are facing the same struggle at the moment.
8: The huge levels of demand have seen housing in even the more affordable areas receiving hundreds of inquiries within days of being on the market, meaning students are now left to battle for a space. With the long-term plan being to build more accommodation, there have been calls for an immediate student housing strategy to ensure no student experiences homelessness.
4: Well, good to to all those students. Taxi shortages across central Scotland have left customers stranded for hours. Zoe Gillett has more. As nightclubs begin to fully
11: reopen, the demand for late-night taxis returns with increased waiting times and fewer drivers available. Taxi companies consider there to be almost a 40% shortage of drivers as they try to work and recover post-Covid. This industry was badly affected during lockdown, losing a lot of business which can be seen across Scotland in places like Glasgow, Aberdeen and Edinburgh. The shortage is due to many leaving the industry to work in other sectors and older drivers choosing to retire. Increased competition from newer taxi companies such as Uber has also put a strain for traditional taxis to operate. With current ongoing discussions on women's safety, there are worries that this will leave women vulnerable on late evenings. Beth has recently tried to hire a taxi service while in Glasgow and talks about her experience well I mean I've said it
5: a couple of times I've been in Glasgow a few times recently and because I'm based in Edinburgh I know this city far better so Glasgow feels a wee bit foreign to me anyway but no last night I was in Glasgow and I was actually there I some family for dinner um, and so that was fine we we had dinner and stuff and then it got to about half past nine and I just sort of started looking for taxis and yeah I sort of tried Uber and quite a few of them didn't connect like it, you know it just searches for the driver for ages and then some of them accepted and then the and then my brother tried a couple of numbers but he struggled to get through Um, I mean maybe partly to do with you know uh, phone signal and things but who knows and then a couple just said they were short drivers. A couple sort of said they could pick us up ten at the earliest, but it would likely be half ten. And then I was on the off chances, tried Uber one more time, and eventually I got through. So I managed to get one in the end. Not having access to a taxi is really, it sort of just makes you feel completely stranded because, you you know, you don't have your own car in the city. So that's the option. That's the sort of safe way that you can get from A to B. The threats are still there because there is a problem, and it's one that needs to be sorted. But obviously it's difficult because it's you know, the taxi drivers themselves, you know, you can understand why they had to sort of change profession in the pandemic and things to get steady work and you know, they've lost half their drivers and you know, they're really they're really low. And so you do feel for them. But it's it's such a vital service, I think, and especially right now because it's just it does feel like it's come at the worst time to sort of, you know, be alone at night and feel that you just are stuck.
11: The long antisocial hours of the job and lack of financial security has been a main factor in drivers finding new jobs in other sectors.
0: I've got two taxis and I can't get drivers. There's there's no night shift drivers. It's very very difficult
11: to get them. Companies are trying to recruit new drivers to meet demand, but the process of qualifying as a taxi driver can take up to a year, which is only prolonging the issue.
0: It has, yeah. I mean, it, it certainly affected all the owners' incomes because you're not getting rental income from these people. And uh, it affects the public as well because there's a, a, an obvious shortage of taxis, especially at the weekends and nights.
11: Taxi companies are in discussions with local councils over shortening the training process and finding a solution to the crisis.
4: And now to Edinburgh witch whose spooky Halloween celebrations begin today. You see, Van Dome has more.
12: Edinburgh Zoo launches their first ever Halloween event today, which will run until October 31st over certain dates throughout the month. The attraction will feature characters such as wizards, scarecrows and spiders, and visitors can expect rustling noises in the trees and people in themed costumes as they pass through the enclosures. The event is organised by NL Productions, who work on lighting, sound and visual productions across Scotland, such as Pitlochry Light Show.
1: And our reporter, Kenzie Devine, whisked herself along to the zoo to go and see what all the spooky business was
11: about. I'm here today to have a chat with Jay Sharma, an employee of Edinburgh Zoo, to find out what he thinks of the spectacular events this year.
0: Super excited, we've been um, watching for like the past couple of weeks, seeing them put up all the, the decorations and doing up the the lighting and stuff. And uh, it's just amazing to see it all kind of uh, finally come together now and seeing um, visitors come in and get to uh, get to experience it fully. So there's um, there's like um, a lot of kind of statues have gone up of like of jack-o'-lantern men and like uh, wolves and skeletons. So many decorations and lots of like lots of cool lighting projections and stuff as well so they've done up kind of one of the uh what do you call it the hierarchs uh rock wall has been like they're projecting uh, like ghosts and witches and stuff onto it and um, there's a lot of like kind of uh, spooky music as you walk about they've also hired like some um some like scare actors not scare actors but like actors to like uh dress up as like witches and wizards and kind of converse with like visitors as they're walking about the park
12: Upcoming events for the zoo have also been planned in hopes to bring in more visitors after a tough year for the Kostorfin attraction due to Covid-19. Ticket prices for the spectacular After Dark theme nights differ from £17 for an adult, £11 for a child and free for carers and kids under 3. There will also be discounted prices for those who are members at the zoo. The events run from 5.30 until 9pm on various dates with entry slots that are available every 15 minutes. Last entry is 7.30pm and customers are in store for a one-mile trail that will approximately take an hour and a half to complete. Due to COVID-19 safety requirements, you must book your ticket online in advance to help the staff keep track of numbers and carry out proper social distancing regulations. The event is suitable for all ages, families and is designed so that wheelchairs and buggies can get around. Christmas events are also in the works for the zoo to help visit our attraction and we can expect a similar trail with more festive lights following the Halloween themed days. The Christmas events will run from November 19th until January 2nd, 2022 and is likely to be organised by the same production company. Keep an eye on Edinburgh Zoo's websites for information on specific dates and head down for some festive fun.
1: Indeed, that does sound like good fun. That's all from us at EN4 News this afternoon. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to read more about our stories, and indeed many more stories that we haven't covered on this bulletin today, please do take a look at our website where you can find a whole lot more information. And thank you very much for listening.